The approaching sounds of snapping twigs and wet fronds squelching under rushing feet came to Commander Hing's ears. He didn't turn to look toward their source. If it was some fool of a felt police trooper coming through the forest, the man wouldn't live long enough to reach his position, except as a prisoner. His fighters would see to that. Most likely, Hing thought, it was one of his guerrilla band scouts returning with the hoped-for report of a small felt police patrol approaching the ambush site. The sounds came closer and closer and finally stopped, punctuated by the thump of a knee hitting the ground, a meter from where Hing lay concealed in a clump of gross ponds. Commander, it must be true what we have heard. The felt police has a new commissioner, a gasping voice said. Hing turned his attention from the road and looked at the speaker, Fighter Quetlal, the scout whose hasty approach had snapped so many twigs, squelched so many fronds. The commander raised an eyebrow questioningly. Quetlal was grinning broadly. They are not wearing camouflage, commander. They are not even wearing plain green or tan to help them hide among the trees. His grin broadened and his eyes glittered. There are a hundred of them, and they are all wearing orange tunics and sky-blue pantaloons. You can tell the officers by the plumes on their helmets. Hing slowly shook his head one time. The oligarchs were getting more and more foolish in their conduct of this war. Where had they gotten the idea that sharp-looking parade ground troops made the best fighters? Did they really think fancy uniforms would frighten fighting men? How long? As they are marching down the middle of the road, I must say, bare minutes. How watchful are they? Their eyes are straight ahead as though they are passing in review. They are even carrying their masters at right shoulder arms. Scouts? Flankers? Fighter Quetlal shook his head. They have two-point men twenty meters ahead of the column. That is all of their security. Have you passed an alert? As I came along our line, Commander, I told everybody. Then continue along our line and tell the rest of the company. Hing turned back to the road. Quetlal was dismissed. Commander Hing's fingers absently caressed the stock of his blaster, fondled its firing lever. His was one of the few modern weapons possessed by the grandiosely named Chi Loy Brigade of the People's Liberation Army, and the only one in this ambush. The rest of the sixty brigade members with him were armed with obsolete projectile rifles, which was a major reason for this ambush, to take modern weapons from the corpses of the oligarchy's felt polizei. Soon, in bare minutes, Hing's fighters would strike a mighty blow and strike further fear into the hearts of the oligarchy, and become better armed. That imbecile sends us to our death, Patrolman Perez muttered to the man at his side. Only if they lie in ambush, Patrolman Trong replied equally quietly, and are not frightened off by our blasters. He wanted to spit, but Captain Rickdorf's discipline was too severe for him to take the chance. Fighter Quetlal had barely left Commander Hing's position when the brigade leader heard the slightly ragged tramp, tramp, tramp of marching feet coming along the road below. Two troopers, as splendidly poppinjade as Fighter Quetlal had promised, strutted into sight. Sunlight filtering through the tops of the towering hawkbaum trees that grew between the clumps of gross palms dappled their tunics to the flowing color of old gold. Their marching legs swish-swishing along made their sky-blue trousers ripple like fast-flowing water in a clear, shallow stream. 
fools, he muttered, dismissing them. But his eyes lingered hungrily on their weapons. Soon the fighters of his brigade would put those modern weapons to far better use than these comic opera felt polizai ever could. Twenty meters behind the point men, the rest of the column snaked along the road, marching two men abreast. This was so foolish. King suspected their commander would have had them marching three or four abreast had the road been wide enough. Their commander, oh, yes. He was the most glorious popinjay of them all. His tunic was piped with gold cord, gold epaulets jounced on his shoulders. A foragere, a braided gold cord, swirled around and dangled from his shoulder. A veritable kaleidoscope of metals adorned his left breast. The saber he carried, point up against his shoulder, looked like a purely ceremonial blade, not a fighting blade at all, as though a sword was a weapon to use against blasters or even projectile weapons. Hing counted the ranks of felt polizai as they marched past him. When his count reached twenty-two, he put his whistle to his lips. At twenty-three, he sucked his chest full of air. At twenty-four, near the center of the double line of felt polizai, when all were well within the killing zone,